and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. It's a big week for the show as we begin to get you ready for the 2023 football season. There are just six Saturdays left without college football. Man, that sounds good to say. And Sunbelt Media Days is set to take place next week in New Orleans. This is officially the show's final week of off-season coverage. Caden, that's exciting. We're going to be transitioning back to our three-episode-per-week rotation beginning next Monday. And who knows? We might even have a bonus episode for you later in the week, so keep an eye out for that. Before we tell you, though, more about today's exciting episode, here's a quick plug about our most recent episode. We ranked the top 10 defensive backs in the Sun Belt ahead of the 2023 season. Kane did a lion's share of the work, so it's guaranteed to be a good episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you check it out wherever you get your podcast. You can also find our complete breakdowns of the quarterback, the running backs, the wide receivers, defensive line, and even the linebacker position groups on Spotify and Apple as well. Today on episode 90 of the show, we're excited to welcome ESPN analyst Rocky Boyman to the show. Rocky will be co-hosting Sunbelt Football Media Days alongside Matt Stewart in New Orleans on July 25th and 26th. This talking season officially gets underway in the Sunbelt. Caden, this is always a fun time of year. Hopes and expectations, they're high. Bold claims are made all over the place. What do you love most about this time of year? Well, no, I just love that I can finally consume and finally buy into some of the stuff that happens in media day. I know as a player, we try to avoid any bullet Tim board material, hearing anything from the outside, kind of just trying to stay focused. But now that I'm in the media, I'm outside of the game. I can eat it all up. Very excited to hear what every coach has to say, every player has to say about their respective teams and really just trying to figure out which information now we're going to both use heading into the season when we start to make our predictions. We've obviously done a ton of work ranking different players in the conference, seeing the different transfers that come in. But now hearing it come out of the coaches' mouths, the players' mouths, kind of getting more of a pulse on the culture of each team and how they're feeling going into the season and kind of trying to evaluate and make our predictions. I'm very excited to hear what every team has to say with their representatives moving forward and being able to use that to kind of make our predictions and kind of forecast what we expect from the conference this year. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, for me, it's the uh, it's the bold claims that we are certain to, to hear at Sunbelt Media Days, the sound bites, uh, rain galore. I'm also looking forward to this is basically how the Frarian Smith podcast got started a year ago. So we're approaching the one year anniversary of the show. That's exciting. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into our interview with ESPN's Rocky Boyman. Well, we're really excited to have ESPN's Rocky Boyman on the Frarian Smith podcast. Rocky, thanks for taking some time to join us. Noah Caden, happy to be with you guys. Uh, I'm excited for some Sunbelt football here. Well, it is officially the start of talking season. And as we get set for Sunbelt Media Days, it'll take place uh, early next week. Rocky, when we think back to last year, that Media Days, it was dominated by several things. Talk of new members in the conference, as well as a lot of talk about the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness. Going into this year's Media Days, what do you think are going to be some of the big storylines? Well, first, just let's just go back to last year. And and this kind of just is part of the reason why I love this conference so much. So sitting down at media day and actually before last season, and I checked this out again this morning, uh, the preseason media poll had App State finishing first. They finished fifth, won six and six, missed a bowl, right? And they had Troy was fit, picked to finish third in the conference with Louisiana finishing first. And of course, Troy has a magical season, goes on, wins it all. You know, there was four wins over power five schools. It's, it's, it was an amazing year 
And, and again, I think that's what I like so much about it. there's so much parity in this conference. Um, you never really know what to expect, which I think is great for a, a fan, you know, especially if you're just a college football fan, you're looking for a conference and a, and a group of teams that are going to really be exciting to, to follow and watch. Uh, I think the Sun Belt's for you. Um, now, for, for last year, I mean, some of the things that stick out about Media Day, where I remember uh, meeting some coach named John Sum, uh, Sumrall, right, from from uh, from Troy. And I uh, met him when he was the D.C. At, at UK. And just remember thinking, as he was talking, we were meeting with him that day. You know, first of all, I'm thinking to myself, Oh, Troy, you know, yeah, they got Gunnar Watson coming back, Kamani Vidal. They got some good players on defense. Like, God, I feel like there's, there's somebody's got to get this program going. And then talking with John Sumrall, I, I really came away impressed with him and, and remember saying that that's a team to watch because I feel like their culture and their leadership is where it needs to be. And, of course, that was the case. They go on and have a 12-win season. So I, I think for me it's just – you know, getting to talk to some of these uh, these coaches. And, for of course, this year we'll talk with uh, G.J. Kinney, who's now the head coach at Texas State. Um, we'll talk with uh, Tim Beck, of course, uh, the you know, Coastal's new coach. So just kind of getting a, an early look at some of the culture. I'm a big culture guy. Any, any coach or football guy will tell you that's the most important thing when you're building a, a program and uh, just kind of seeing how these teams are built and, um, and going from there. Rocky, thanks again for joining us. You kind of mentioned it before talking about the level of competition in this conference. And I think when you look at the national landscape and all of the conference realignment and switching, that AAC conference was kind of looked at as the premier group of five conference. They have teams like UCF, Cincinnati, Memphis making those Cotton Bowl appearances. But now they depart to the Big 12. Do you kind of look at it now as maybe a shift in the Sunbelt Conference, maybe taking that spot? Or do you look at them as far as the national landscape and possibly being that next premier group of five con conference? No, I, I agree with you. And I, for long, well, first of all, I, I live in Cincinnati, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm right next to the Bearcat program and, and, and have watched them and especially with what Luke Fickle has done with them the last few years. And I've always felt outside of UC being in the American Conference, I always felt from a depth standpoint, the Sun Belt for the last few years has been one of the premier group of five conferences. Uh, but now, of course, with UC leaving, uh, the American Conference and joining the Big 12 along with Houston and UCF. I, I don't think there's any question right now that the Sun Belt is the premier Group of Five conference. Um, I, I think you got you got teams again. You know, last year having the you know had four wins over Power Five schools, so they show they can compete with the big boys, right? You got Georgia Southern beats Nebraska and, and some of these other um, you know great matchups and great games they had. So so yeah, I, I think right now with uh, with the teams that the Sun Belt added last year and how good some of these teams are and, and the depth of this conference, I think it's certainly the best group of five uh, conference out there. Rocky, staying on that topic just briefly, though, the one thing we did see last year is a lot of these teams, they kind of cannibalized themselves a little bit. How how do you think that one of these teams could maybe separate themselves? Yeah, it's, it, it is. I mean, the that, that's kind of the hard part, and especially with the transfer portal. And, and we were talking about that even before we came on, how how hard that makes it. I, I think it's for, for you know, there, there's positive and negatives of everything, especially with the transfer portal. I think one of the positives for a fan base is you can go from a team that wasn't very good last year. All of a sudden you pick the right players. They happen to come in and boom, you, you know, you're good that year. You don't have to wait. Yeah three and four years to build and recruit and do all those sorts of things. Um, 
but yeah, I, I guess that's part of it too. Is is there is the the canalization of of some of these these programs as well because there's so many good schools. I mean, you look at Louisiana, how you know they were on top for a few years there. Then last year have a have a season that they uh, left some to be de- desired, but then a Troy kind of pops out of nowhere. Um, you know, Marshall, I think uh, especially toward the end of the year, being a new member, had a good season. App State underachieved. Um, you know, South Alabama, I remember doing South Alabama games when they were not very good at all and, and came out and had a really nice, uh, 10 win season. So, um, I, I think it's, it's just as, as a coach and as a, as a school, it's finding, you know, hoping you get those right guys that come into your program. A lot of coaches are turning to that transfer portal, develop them, you know, having the good culture, like we talked about before and, uh, seeing what you can build. Yeah, there's certainly uh, no denying that the Sun Belt these days feels like a bit of a meat grinder. Uh, sticking on the national landscape a little bit, we're we're seeing conferences become more dispersed. I think in the Big Ten, they're going to move to 16 teams in 24 with the additions of USC and UCLA. You look at what the SEC is doing with Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, short term, though, what we've seen the Sun Belt do is, is really dive into this regional model of college football. You're a guy who's in stadiums every Saturday. Do you think that move is going to pay off in the long run? I think it is. And I, I don't I, I I think what the Big Ten is doing, I can see I can make a case for why that's gonna work because I mean Big Ten is is sort of much more of a national brand sort of conference kind of thing. You're getting bigger teams in there, and I think that's just kind of where things are going. But I think the the regional nature and having divisions like the Sun Belt does works really well for the Sunbelt. I mean, by the way, there's only, what, four of ten conferences now have divisions and, and the Sunbelt being one of them. But I think, you know, you look at that map, and, and we always put that map up uh, during Sunbelt Media Day, and you see just how close some of those schools are, and you get to keep some of those rivalries. And if you're a fan of, you know, Georgia Southern, you can say, well, how about we jump in the car and let's ride down the street a couple hours and go watch a game. You know, it's I think it's fun for – for a fan base, especially for for, for the Sun Belt Conference and, and Southern football, I, I think it works well for them. I, I, again, I could make a case for why uh, you know the the SEC should expand and the the Big Ten should expand, but I think for the Sun Belt and what they're trying to be as a conference, it works really, really well. Couldn't agree more, Rocky. I think that the TV and media side of things definitely is more important to other schools and others than getting that brand and getting them in that conference for sure. But you mentioned it before, talked about G.J. Kenny at Texas State and Tim Beck at Coastal Carolina, both new coaches in the conference, very different situations with Tim kind of inheriting more of a, a powerhouse perennial conference, top of the conference type of team. And G.J. kind of turned things around. I know you're going to get your pulse of their culture and what they're coming with at Media Day, but what are your expectations for those guys with their first time in the league? Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest question for Coastal is what's that offense going to look like for the for a long time there, or at least for a good three, four years here in the Sun Belt under Jamie Chadwell. They ran one of the most interesting offensive schemes I think you can see out there. I've I've stolen some of their stuff for my son's, uh, you know, nine-year-old team here, but some of it I can't run because it's pretty complex. You know what I mean? It's very, very unique. So, you know, and, and look, Tim Beck has been an, uh, an offensive coordinator for, I think, 12 seasons the past 12 years. He's coached under Urban Meyer, uh, you know, Tom Herman. He, he knows offense, but is it going to look like it has the last couple years? Are they just going to – is he going to come in and say, hey, look, Grayson McCall and all these guys that we got coming back, they know this offense inside and out. Let's keep the majority of that and maybe put, put a few tweaks. I, I would imagine that's what he's going to do. 
Um, but maybe he comes in and says, hey, I'm going to do my own thing here. And, of course, he, he knows a lot about offense. That's a very, very interesting thing to watch uh, you know, in, in the Sunbelt Conference and if you're a Coastal fan early on here. And then for Kenny coming in, I mean, my guy's scoring what? Was it 51 points per game? It was a lot. And Kearney, well, yeah. I mean, absolutely incredible. And the, the the tempo that they run with and the speed and, and all that and so many unique concepts with, you know, just keeping a – I mean, when I watched – and I watched some of Incarnate Word and what Kenny does, um, it's all about just – keeping a defense and a defender second guessing himself all the time. You know, I played linebacker my whole life and you got your keys and you got your reads and you got your, you know, your idea of what they may do here. But if you're hesitant, that's when an offense can beat you. And and that's what that offense to me does so well. They're running a bubble screen. All right, let's go tackle the bubble screen. Now, instead of that guy bubble screen, and now he's running 50 yards down the field. So it's, it's a very, very unique concept. Um, you know, he's got a lot of new guys coming in from the portal. Is that going to work? I don't know. You know, Jake Spavadol, he lived on the on the portal, too, and it didn't work out well for him. So there's two sides of every story. But for both those programs, I mean, Coastal's been on top for a long, long time. I look forward to Texas State, hopefully under new leadership, bouncing back as well. Yeah, it will certainly be fascinating. I mean, we'll talk about dark horses later on this episode, and maybe Texas State is one of those. Rocky, I did want to get an answer, though. When Grayson McCall uh, entered the transfer portal, did you make a phone call to try to get him to come to your nine-year-old's uh, football team? <laughs> Again, I, I'm telling you, I've studied Grayson McCall. I, I mean, one of the benefits of being a an analyst for ESPN is I get you know game, like college coaches tape for every every game out there and, and you watch him play and, and I've talked with him and I mean just the first of all it's just the command he has there's no there's no hesitation with him it's a, he knows the scheme as complex as that scheme is he knows it inside and out so therefore he can go out and, and, and play in such a confident way as he does um you know I was excited to you know, I know he flirted with a portal, I think, on January 1st, or he left and he came back in early January, which is great for Coastal fans. I am I mean, talk about one of the best careers of any college football player. I mean, three-time Sunbelt Player of the Year, I think. He's won 31 games since he's been the starter there. Um, so, yeah, let, let's – and what's going to be his last season? And, yes, under new leadership and, you know, maybe a somewhat of a tweak of a scheme. Let, let's see what he can do. I think that's a very, very exciting storyline to watch this year. Well, we're going to circle back to that in a few questions, but sticking on the transfer portal and kind of the impact on not only the Sunbelt, but really group of five conferences, uh, we've really seen, you know, a lot of additions and subtractions. I think of guys like Tej Johnson, who goes to Oregon, Isaac Ukwu at Ole Miss, Josiah Stewart heading to Michigan, but then coming into the conference, you have exciting players like Malik Hornsby at Texas State, Asa Martin at Memphis, and maybe even a guy like Davis Brin from Tulsa at Georgia Southern. Uh, just talk about the you know the emphasis on the transfer portal and how big of a story you expect that to continue to be. I, I think it will. As we mentioned earlier, it's uh, you know it, it's something a coach you don't have to like it, but you must embrace it because it, it's it is college football these days I've had plenty of co coaches even last year say every year the roster is going to be there's going to be 20 to 25 new guys from on that you know that have flipped from other schools that are coming in and that's turned out to be the case um you know but you look at how how well that served a team like uh, like um Georgia Southern last year right they bring in I mean they, they went from a all option 
throughout their entire history, they were on the triple option. And believe me, that fan base wanted nothing to hear about any sort of spread offense or any of that. Well, guess what? Clay Helton comes in, brings in Kyle Van Trees from Buffalo. He throws for 4,000-something yards, and all of a sudden, everyone loves that offense now at Georgia Southern. So you can see the impact that a, that a, a transfer guy can have. And um, I'm sure there's going to be some player – uh, you mentioned Davis Brin coming over from Tulsa. I mean, he's going to, you know, hopefully pick up where Kyle Van Treese left off. Um, Corey Rucker, I believe he returns to, to Arkansas State. That's a big one. Um, you know, so I think that's going to help those schools out. By the way, I looked up uh, Corey Gamage. Oh, oh, he was a wide receiver from Marshall. He left and he went to Memphis and then he went to Purdue. And now I think he's at UCF, and that's all within the matter of like a month. So maybe he's at a different school by now too. But nevertheless, that's the nature of the transfer portal. Uh, it can work out really well for you if you play it right. And, uh, and some schools are going to be on the, uh, I guess, on the losing end of that as well. Yeah, there's no doubt there's going to be winners and losers. And I think I think in every conference, not just the Sun, but I think that newcomer of the year award, the, 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 high, the stakes get a little bit higher with the transfer portal now and some of the mobility for sure. But let's talk about the defending conference champions, the Troy Trojans. They had that magical run last year, really leaning on their defense. I feel like me, Noah, and a lot of people were almost waiting for that defense to finally give up that one point, that one moment to eventually lose them again, but the, a game, but they got rolling. You're a defensive guy. We know their front three that they're bringing back with Jackson, Jubiner, and Solomon can be great, but they also lose big pieces like Carlton Marshall. What are your expectations of that defense, and do you think they could carry them again, kind of like they did last year? Yeah, I guess, you know, first of all, again, great defense. I think they gave up 17 points per game last year. They were phenomenal. And, and I felt like they had had that core of some of those great players, you know, like Jubiner and Solomon for a long, long time, and, and they served them well. Now, you know, losing Carlton Marshall, the, the all-time leader, in the NCAA tackles in history, that's I mean that's your that's your leader, that's your go-to guy. Um, th- that could be a, a little bit of an issue. Uh, they also lose Will Cholo, who's been a great defensive lineman for them as well. So um, you know, but I but look, John Summerall is a defensive guy, so I, I think he's certainly going to find ways, whether it's through the portal or through scheme or whatever, to kind of make up for some of those deficiencies. And offensively, I think you know if Gunnar Watson can continue to make strides and maybe throw a few less interceptions. I think, I, I think they can, they can be back in the mix as well. But I, I think um, in, in a day and age where I think, especially the, especially in my opinion, in the group of five conferences, it's all offense, right? Everyone's every offense, offense, offense. But if you can be a team that can play some good defense, the way Troy can, the, the way South Alabama can, right. The, you know, I think you, you can, you can find a way to set yourself apart. Every, every team out there is going to have a powerful offense and be able to score points. But if you got a good defense and you, you, they're fewer and far between in both the Sun Belt and any Power Five conference, I, I think you got a chance to really, really be one of the top teams. I think Troy can do it again this year. Well, Rocky just became uh, Caden's favorite guest on this podcast with that uh, talk about defense right there. He loves talking defense. I'm more of an offensive guy. So you're always good welcome. Man. Uh, Let's move on to Coastal Carolina, and we're going to switch back to the offensive side of the football, and the question everyone wants answered is, what is Tim Beck's offense going to look like? And then, you know, Grayson McCall is is sticking around, and what I wanted to ask uh, from your perspective is, where do you need to see growth from him this year as he maybe turns his eyes towards the NFL? For me, I, I don't, I don't know if I need to see much growth from from Grayson McCall. I mean, the the the, bain, the games last year. Look, let face it, 
their defense is what killed them last year. Their secondary in particular. I think I saw they were 127th in pass yards allowed per drop back. I mean, they were just getting killed. I called the the old Dominion upset at Coastal of them, and they, they couldn't stop anybody that game. So to me, it's not Grayson McCall. He, he's going to be just fine as long as he's healthy. He gets banged up, and that was a reason, you know, they suffered some of those losses at the end of last year. You know, they also bring back uh, Braden Bennett and Reese White, the two running backs, to bring back Sam Pinkney. So offensively, I, I think they're going to be just fine. I, I don't imagine Tim Beck's going to do too much tinkering with that scheme. Uh, so, no, I, I think that'll be fine. I think it's it's more for Coastal finding ways to to solidify that defense a little bit. You know, they get a pretty favorable schedule from what I remember, which always seems to be the case. I feel like Coastal's always gets a, gets a pretty decent schedule to deal with. Um, but uh, I, I expect them to, to really come out and smoking this year and be back on top. Flipping to the west side, South Alabama, they're probably going to be a very hot pick as far as come, representing the West in the conference championship this year. They return a large number of starters. They have their third season under Kane Womack and had a huge improvement last year they have a tough schedule though what are your expectations how high of the ceiling do you think the Jags have this year yeah well you mentioned their schedule they're at Troy at Tulane at Oklahoma State they got some some tough games in there but I mean we we're talking about it earlier defense and how important that is in, in a day and age where offenses are high flying they bring back 10 starters on that defense they also get Keith Gallman back the safety who missed uh, most if not all of last year um, and then behind the offensive pieces they have in Carter Bradley and uh, Damian Webb, I, I think, I mean, they bring back more than any team that I can think of right now, certainly in the Sun Belt, if not all of all of you know, the group of five. So I, I think they're certainly a team to watch, um, you know, bringing those defensive guys back. Though I had a few pieces from the transfer portal, but I, I think South Alabama is certainly a team to watch in the West. Yeah, they should be fun, and I think Caden's right. They will be a trendy pick to maybe even win the conference. Maybe they're, you know, last year's Tulane this year. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about another Cinderella from last year. Let's talk about the James Madison Dukes. They will be a big story on media days in New Orleans. I'm expecting some great quotes out of Kurt Signetti, much like we saw last year. But some have called what they did last year the greatest transition in FBS history. They have eight wins in their first year. They share that Sunbelt East Division title. Rocky, the question for you is what can they do for an encore this season? Well, first of all, I mean, you're right. It is one of the best transitions, but I'll go back to another great transition that in, in this conference in 2014 when Georgia Southern came in. They go 8-0. And I, and I remember because that was my first year calling – Sunbelt game. That's when I learned to really fell in love with, with the Sunbelt. And I remember it was the same story. You know, Willie Fritz was the head coach and they won eight and oh, I think, something like that. And but couldn't couldn't make a bowl and couldn't be a conference champion because of the being newly transitioned. And that's the same thing with James Madison this past year. I mean, offensively, they averaged 37 points per game. I mean, coming from the FCS level, making the jump and still putting up those numbers. Now having uh, Todd Sentio, the quarterback. Uh, was a big part of that, and they're not going to have him this year. And as of right now, I don't know exactly who's going to be that quarterback. Uh, so that'll be a, a very interesting battle right there. But no, Kersignetti is is a is a ball coach, man. I mean, you're, you're right; he's great, great, just old school sound bites from him, man. I always love sitting down, sitting down with him and, and talking. But um, you know, I, I just think that uh, you know they're a team that's as you talk about culture, and their culture is you know. Offensive and defensive line, tough line of scrimmage, 
Everyone's throwing the ball a million times and all this sort of stuff. They're a team that can battle you out in the trenches, and I expect that to continue. Switching over to the Marshalling Hundering, Marshall Hundering, Thundering Herd. Sorry, they're a little Jekyll and Hyde-ish last year. They have the big wins over Notre Dame and the James Madison Dukes, like we just mentioned, but also some tough losses like that bad loss to Bowling Green early, some tough conference losses to Troy, Louisiana, and Coastal Carolina. They're going to have that defense like we've been talking about. They're going to have that run game as usual. We think they might have their quarterback now. How can Charles Huff's squad be more consistent this year, you think? Well, thanks, Caden, for uh, re-bringing uh, up that Notre Dame loss. Uh, as a Notre Dame grad, man, you know, I, that was a tough one. I couldn't, I couldn't believe that score when I, when I saw that thing. That's, that's one of the worst losses in the history of Notre Dame Stadium, uh, if not the. But uh, nevertheless, I, I think for, for Marshall, you, you know, I, I think Charles Huff is, is, first of all, is a great coach. And they, you know, they, you're right. That, that was their story. They started off three and three, and I think they won six of their last seven down the stretch. You know, and, and their quarterback, Cam Fancher, played really, really well. I think he finally kind of got a hold of that offense late in the season. So for him, I think if he picks up, you know, where they left off there, um, you know, they're going to get Rasheen Ali back, the running back, which is huge. He was a 1,400-yard rusher back in 2021 uh, before they made the transition. So, yeah, I think part of it is learning, you know, learning the other teams in the conference. And, and look, I think if you got a quarterback that's going to be as productive as I think Fancher will be, Bring in Ali, who's going to be responsible for a lot more yards and maybe, you know, winning some of those close games that they lost. I think Marshall, you know, can really be a team to watch in the East as well. Yeah, I, I cannot agree with you more there, Rocky. I think that that's one of those maybe sneaky teams in the East that has a chance to win the conference. They, too, though, have a, a very tough schedule. Uh, let's move on to uh, a couple of powerhouses in the league over the last couple of years that failed to meet expectations this past year. That was Teams like Louisiana and Caden's uh, App State, uh, those are two of the more fascinating programs heading into this year. They both had those down years. Louisiana lost in the bowl game. App State fails to make a bowl game. Uh, which one of those two teams, Louisiana and App State, do you feel like is maybe better positioned to get back to that championship caliber of football? I got to say App State. I mean, you know, I, I think they had such a magical start to the season. I, I just think it would just, they just ran out of steam, right? You get the, was it 66 to 67 point, you know, the, the narrow loss to North Carolina earlier. Then you beat Texas A&M, and then you come back and you beat Troy on a Hail Mary at the end of the game. And just emotionally, for any program, that, that's tough to deal with. And, and you also look at the fact they want five of their six losses came by one score. So now a, a big hole to fill with, you know, there's no Chase Bryce at quarterback. But I think, you know, they're, they're a team that is always recruited well. They're one of the top for, from, you know, recruiting standpoint, you know, one of the top schools in the Sun Belt year in, year out. And I think they find a way maybe to manage some of that, um, you know, early hype they had to deal with. And I think some of those one-score losses may come into, you know, a few more wins on their side. I, I really expect App State to bounce back this year. I really do. Well, I hope so, too, as an App State alum. But last question for you, Rocky. We're going to make you pick your dark horse or maybe some of the dark horse teams you think for 2023. I think when you look across the Sun Belt, there's a lot of teams that had some good promise last year but have some maybe exciting pieces or maybe one or two steps away, whether that's a Georgia Southern team maybe getting a defense, a Southern Miss team maybe having some consistency at quarterback, Texas State with a new head coach at the helm. Which team do you maybe have higher expectations for maybe compared to what they did last season? Uh, you mentioned Georgia Southern, and I think from everything I've heard about Davis Brent, I think he's I think he's going to come in and play really well, and just add kind of pick up on that offense where they left off last year, and they should have some some decent pieces return on defense. Uh, 
it's so hard. That's what it is. That's what's so great about this conference. So hard to pick a dark horse because there's so many teams that are that that are in the mix. I think Marshall. You know, I mean, they lose a lot on defense. We talked about them. I think they could be in it. Um, maybe what about Louisiana? You know what I mean? Like they're, they're a team that you know they they return. Uh, I knew they. I think they lose a couple of tackles, but they may return one of the top offensive lines. Uh, in the entire Sun Belt, they'll have, a, they'll have a quarterback battle between uh, Chandler Fields and Ben Woolridge. But, you know, same thing. They were 0-4 in one-score games. You imagine maybe if they just go 2-2 two and two in one-score games this year, they're back on it. I mean, their their schedule is pretty favorable, right? Their, their crossover games are Old Dominion and Georgia State, which are, you know, uh, just in terms of last year, two of the lesser teams in the conference. So, you know, and and for the longest time, the same thing. They recruited really well down there. I just think maybe going from that from the transition in head coach, uh, maybe left a little bit of things in flux there. But I could make a case where maybe Louisiana finds a way back on top. It certainly is going to be a fascinating season this fall, Rocky. Before we let you go, I'm putting you on the hot seat here. We're recording this on July 17th. If you had to pick a team in the East, a team in the West, and then an overall champion in 2023 in the Sun Belt, who are you going with? I'm going to go coastal in the east, and then and then uh, just because of Grayson McCall, I, I I mean the quarterback position is so important, and to get a guy that dynamic back and with uh, you know some of the other offensive pieces they have, I think they'll fix some fix some things on defense. In the West, I'm going to go South Alabama as as we talked about. No team brings back as much talent from a ten win team as, as they did a 10-win team last year. So I think South Alabama, I love Kane Womack and what he's done down there. So if you're asking me right now, those are my two teams. There we go. Uh, thank you for uh, helping our engagement as well because uh, James Madison fans are going to love that pick of Coastal in the East. Well, Rocky, thanks so much for uh, <laughs> taking some time to jump on the podcast today. Look forward to uh, catching up down at Sunbelt Media Days next week. Guys, had a lot of fun. Let's do it again sometime. Thanks so much. Man, that interview was a lot of fun. Caden, you joked off air with me. That was just a couple of guys talking football, and uh, that's right up your alley. Yeah, no, there's nothing There's nothing better than the boys talking some about football, right? Rocky obviously knows his stuff, and it was great to just bounce off of him in here. Maybe I know for you and me personally, hearing some things reinforced in our head that we might have thought about the season, maybe some stuff we disagree with. So definitely great talking to him and hearing some of the knowledge he dropped on us. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, obviously, as he continues to prep for Sunbelt Football Media Days uh, next week. But, Caden... Uh, were there any surprises, things that maybe he said that you were a little bit surprised about? Not too many surprises out of Rocky. I think that I, uh, the App State take was honestly a little bit more surprising. As an App State fan, I'm obviously a little bit more of a, of a pessimistic fan. So hearing people like Rocky on the outside maybe thinking, hey, maybe we're just a quarterback. Maybe we're just a few plays away from being back on top is great to hear. But no, not too many hot, hot takes from Rocky. I think that he has some great expectations for some of the teams that we have great expectations for. But maybe the Louisiana is a dark horse pick and App State bouncing back. I think those are two of his more interesting points heading into this season. I think those will be two of the bigger storylines as well, both in media days and throughout the season. I certainly enjoyed as well hearing his takes on kind of the ever-evolving battle between uh, these group of five conferences. And and he really felt like it sounded like, Caden, that this Sunbelt League, uh, with their success last year in expected continued success this year as well as some departures from other leagues uh, could become that premier group of five conference. Definitely. It was good to hear because we're obviously pretty biased and we love the conference, but hearing Rocky, he was probably a little biased as well, but him also kind of re reconfirm how we feel about the conference being that next big time group of five conference was good to hear. And I think 
the blueprint's kind of been made. You kind of talked about it and touched on that self-cannibalization with teams playing each other. And then we talked about South Alabama and it made me think, if you're a, if you're a Sunbelt coach and you think you have the team and you have a tough schedule, I think making it out of the Sunbelt with that schedule, with the 12-team playoff expanded, is going to be a big deal. I think don't be surprised in the future if we see some of these big-name teams just get more aggressive with their scheduling. If you're going to play a hard schedule in your conference play, might as well play a hard non-conference game and maybe get yourself in that conversation. So very excited to see this conference keep climbing and very interested to see how the scheduling and the 12-team playoff impacts that as well in the future. Well, certainly excited to be on the ground for Sunbelt Football Media Days. We've got a couple of more episodes that'll drop before then. We're going to preview both the East and the West uh, sides uh, before Sunbelt Media Day. And then, Caden, August strikes, and we'll have more information on what to expect from the show come August. Well, that will do it for another exciting episode of the Prairie in Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to ESPN's Rocky Boyman for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, though, we wanted to let you know that we're going to be dropping a bonus episode this Saturday, July 22nd, in a special collaboration with Michael Barker rather, of College Football Campus Tour. He's visited every Sunbelt Stadium, and he's going to join us to rank his favorite, give us some helpful tips, and, and so much more. That'll do it for us here at the Frarian Smith Podcast. As always, if you like today's episode, please take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and the show out. We're going to continue to be here for the next month as we get you set for the Sunbelt football season. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>